Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso here. We have a great interview with Justin Hall of Awesome Inc. U today. But before we get into that, we're going to play a little bit of a clip. You'll notice that in Justin's interview, he mentions TechX. If you haven't heard about it, it is a great tech conference coming to Lexington. You will not want to miss it. So to give a little bit more information on that, we're also talking to Katie Brown, who's the executive director of the Technology Association of the Bluegrass. That's a mouthful, so we're just going to call it TAB. So we're going to go right into a clip with Katie talking about TechX, and then we'll go right to our interview with Justin Hall. So let's do it. The dates of TechX are September 19th to the 21st. So that's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, it is going to include sort of a mashup of um, instructional sessions, um, talks. There's going to be a hackathon. Um, there are going to be some entertainment that we pull in during the evenings. Um, and then there's going to be a, an art expo and a technology expo. So the goal is to really, we really hope that, that everybody kind of gets exposed to something they weren't they wouldn't normally get exposed to um, and ideas are sparked and connections are made that turn into maybe some long-term um, projects or um, businesses or just relationships. Head on over to techx19.com um, to learn more about the conference, the schedule, you can buy tickets. Um, yeah, and we hope to see you there. Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. Nate Antetomaso here in Chicago, Illinois. We got Logan Jones down in Lexington. How you doing, man? Doing just right. We are super excited for this guest in this episode that we have today. But before we do that, once again, we just want to thank you guys, the fans, for listening to the podcast, for sharing it with other people that you think would be interested in technology and entrepreneurship in the bluegrass and beyond. So thank you for everything you've done so far. We're seeing some great momentum right now, but we want to keep that going. Keep listening. Keep sharing with your friends. Follow us on sh social media. Post on social media. We're at Middle Tech Pod everywhere. We love to see you when you guys interact. Um, and we're going to keep posting some great content. You can visit us at middletechpod.com. If you want to shoot us an email, do that too. It's middletechpodcast at gmail.com. So now that we got all that out of the way, Logan, you are down in Lexington at Awesome Inc. Is that correct? Yeah, we're sitting here in Awesome Inc. Actually right beside the boot camp, boot camp room, uh, mm -hmm. which is going to be a big topic of discussion for us today. Yeah. It has to do with uh, Awesome Inc. U. And I'm sitting here with Justin Hall. Uh, who played a big role in getting Awesome Inc. U up and running, and also a company called BitSource. So we got some really cool stuff to talk about today. Justin, thank you for joining us, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. We're super excited to talk. So like Logan said, he got to know you through Awesome Inc. and, and Awesome Inc. U, but you got some other projects as well. So before we dive into what you're doing now, let's just do kind of a quick background you know, where you're from, where'd you go to school, you know, kind of the, the cocktail party, five-minute talk real quick. Yeah, sure. Uh, 
So I'm from Eastern Kentucky, uh, Pike County. Uh, it's the largest county in Kentucky, and um, Pikeville is the, the 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 mecca of the county, I guess you could say. But yeah. uh, I'm actually from Elkhorn City, which is about 25 miles uh, from Pikeville. Okay, okay, cool. So Pikeville, that's uh, Tyler Childers' uh, hometown, right? Are you a Tyler Childers fan? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, love uh, country music, bluegrass music. As a matter of fact, uh, <clears throat> my mom and dad, when I was growing up, had a bluegrass band. Really? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever play in it? <laughs> I did. They they taught me uh, mandolin and banjo, you awesome. know, and those kinds of things. They That's traveled cool. around. Uh, they were they were hillbilly hippies. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I have a love for bluegrass music and heritage and all those things that that are good from from Eastern Kentucky. Very cool. Okay, so from Pikeville, um, did you go to U Pike? I did. I went to U Pike and played four years of uh, baseball there. Cool. I was a catcher. Uh, I had actually a Reds tryout at one time. wasn't that really? bad. Wow. Uh, could could throw it and could catch it, but uh, I, I couldn't hit water if I fell out of the boat. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I had a great time. I, I studied uh, art and communications. I was one okay. of the first three to graduate from then Pikeville College uh, with a uh, degree in communications. Okay, and what did you do after Pikeville? Well, see, that was in 97, mm -hmm. so that's before the internet, really, right? Uh, yeah. kind of. Hard for us to imagine. Yeah, it, it was uh, 56K modems, and uh, so I actually was talking to the next president that was coming in at the college as a student representative, and we were talking about, hey, how about, what do you think would be a good idea to wire the campus for internet? So, you know, it was one of those things, I got to watch the internet kind of evolve and grow, and um, so being a UPIC graduate, I got to see them revamp, you know, the campus in the next couple of years and uh, have wireless. And, and wow, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty interesting. That's a pretty big step for uh, a college campus to get internet for the first time. Oh yeah, just uh, you know, uh, being able to access it as a student when I was going there, it was mostly uh, 56k internet uh, and uh, provided by. Uh, public or uh, actually yeah, a public company and so um, <clears throat> you know to have the internet without having to pay for that and then also have a higher speed was was, was good for the students that came after. Yeah so how did you get into coding from there? Well uh, after I graduated I, I went to several different jobs um, but the first job I had was with uh, Southeast Telephone which is like a rural cooperative telephone company and uh, I was selling pagers um, trying to get into business, just how to understand, you know, marketing. And, and they said, hey, we're going to have this uh, thing uh, uh, where we're going to sell Internet access. And so you know, I got an account and I was like, okay, this sounds pretty good. I need to make a web page. I need to take all the artwork and everything and, and just put that on the web. And so I started learning HTML as kind of a hobby, seeing how I could, you know, put some stuff on there. Wow, that's that's crazy for us to think about it. a world without like GoDaddy or something. We can just go and like have a template laid out to actually have to go and be that in depth to to learn it. So you're you're just self taught with coding, basically. Yeah. Um. So so after that, um, I actually had uh, an injury and uh, was out for about six months and I couldn't walk. I lost my job. Wow. I had, yeah, it was really really tough, uh, rough time in my life. Um, went through a divorce. Just it was pretty bad. Uh, but um, during that time, uh, while I was down, I, I took my computer, put it beside of me, and and taught myself how to code. 
Wow. Yeah. I've sent out a couple of tweets. Uh, every now and then I'll send out some things, you know, throwback. And one of the things I did that was a throwback was the first book order that I had from Amazon. And, uh, you know, just saying, hey, I want to try this coding thing. And that was in 2000. <laughs> what was your, your process to teach yourself how to code back then? Because now people would use Code Academy or something like that. But if you don't have those resources, where do you even start? Oh, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, so, you know, um, if you Google how to code right now, you get billions of results. I mean, it's crazy. Right. So back then, even, you know, what I call BG before Google, uh, it was like, what do you what do you look at? Right. What do you find? And so there was uh, Code Monkey. Um, you know, there were there were other websites out there that talked about how to code in a way. Um, and. And they were like full projects. So it wasn't a nice little hand-holding tutorial, this is HTML. It was, you know, here's a complete project that was um, done in something like Perl. And so basically... I was thinking the same thing. I'm getting on my head, yeah, Perl, okay. Perl, yeah. <laughs> That's a girl, I don't know. Anyways, um, but anyways, it was it was one of those things where I just grabbed every resource I could, mm-hmm. and I even printed out the code. Oh my god! So like, yeah, I had like books, manuals, you know, just yeah, and I'd made you know uh, highlights and markings and and whatever I could to try to just understand what is this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, how does it work? Uh, so yeah, and um, any resource that was out there, I was trying to get it, and that was before. You know, there was a lot of sharing. Right now, GitHub is amazing resource. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, because uh, you can go get stuff basically for free. Yeah. And here I was trying to buy a book or look for some obscure zip file somewhere on some university website that somebody had posted. And, yeah. You know, and so, yeah, it was really difficult. You can't copy-paste code from a, a textbook <laughs> like you can <laughs> from Stack Adapt or GitHub or something like that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so you've just you've gotten into coding. You're you're learning how to do it yourself. You're seeing the importance of it, and you're thinking this is going to be a really big thing. How does that lead you into BitSource? Yeah, so uh, so I back back then I was still in Pike County uh, right. living. I didn't move to Lexington until about 2001. So uh, I was actually um, I was living in a place called Collie Hills, mm-hmm. which is towards uh, uh, Virgie area, Shelby area. So. Uh, just on the outskirts of, of Pikeville. And um, I just started taking little odd jobs. I did work for like the Chamber of Commerce. I did uh, a landscaping website. Um, anybody that wanted something done, I, I would say, okay, I'll do it. And I had no idea how to. Just learned how to do it. I just, yeah, I would just yeah. teach myself as the, you know, whatever needed to be done. So, uh, and then <clears throat> around, let's see, um, February of 2001, I moved to Lexington and uh, started working for a company that was here. They were kind of like a startup um, and basically just learned as many things as I possibly could. And for the next probably 13, 14 years, I worked in, I worked for a Fortune 500 company, I worked for Lexmark. Uh, I've worked for the Army as a sub. I've done a lot of different things. I've worked for startups, worked for uh, nonprofits, and yeah, I'm just, you know, uh, all kinds of different entities. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. 
So what's what's the background on BitSource? What's the, the whole premise behind what BitSource is? Sure, yeah. Um, so back in, uh, <laughs> it's funny, back in 2000, I actually put together a business plan uh, called Big Sandy, uh, a river of knowledge runs through it. And I actually wanted to make a company like BitSource back in the day where um, it did the same thing that BitSource does today. It was a software development house. It went out into the community and taught um, uh, high tech, you know, to increase digital literacy, mm -hmm. computational thinking, and then uh, to also develop IP, you know, intellectual property that was specific, and then uh, sort of be a, um, um, you know, a, a community builder in a way. And so I wanted to do that then, and I still have the business plan. Uh, Very cool. Yeah, uh, with uh, spelling mistakes and all. <laughs> and... Um, <clears throat> but the way BitSource started was in the same kind of vein of, hey, here's a problem that needs to be solved. And that was right during the downturn of the coal economy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Lynn Parrish and Rusty Justice, who are um, uh, in Pikeville that live there, they've been in the coal industry for years. And they, um, they said, hey, we got to do something here. And so <clears throat> Rusty is actually my second cousin. He called me and said, hey, can you teach a, a coal miner how to code? And I was like, why not? I mean, you know, they're problem solvers. I've known coal miners all my life. Uh, my uncle uh, was a coal miner. You know, my, my grandfather had done that at one time. So, and I knew several people that I grew up with whose, uh, whose parents and their livelihood, you know, came from coal. So I knew they were problem solvers. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't hard to convince me of that. Um, but, um, yeah. And then, so then we kind of started, you know, so you just, what, what was the first class like getting those coal miners in there and being like, all right, we're going to, we're going to teach you guys how to code. I mean, I feel like they, it would be hard to even wrap my head around yeah. what coding is back before it was huge like it is today. Oh yeah. Uh, so the wonderful thing about today is you got all these different resources, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you look at Awesome Inc. They've they've got a, a boot camp and several different um, programs that, that now run through uh, a desire basically that people have. I want to learn how to code. And so BitSource, uh, we kind of started. We knew a little bit about where we wanted to go. Uh, I put together a, a business plan and and basically said, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna we're gonna focus on Drupal uh, development. We're gonna focus on uh, mobile development with uh, uh, Xamarin, which is a framework. Um, and then we're going to look at uh, Unity to do games and AR and VR. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I said, we're going to try to do work for companies. And we're also going to try to do work uh, internal IP stuff. So it really mirrored what, you know, I'd kind of thought up back in the, right. in 2000, but um that first group that came in, they they really didn't know anything about uh, tech. Right. Um, they could uh, they did some things, but no prior programming experience. And so uh, we had to figure out how to get them to understand uh, these concepts. And you know, it was we didn't have a lack of resources. That's for sure because there's so much out there. Right. Can you expand a little bit upon kind of the transition from you know these miners obviously being in the mine to being at the computer and writing code you you touched upon the fact that they were hard workers but i think kind of the the general trend that there needed to be a place for these people to land obviously plays into you know larger trends in the country and 
in history with, you know, kind of the, the difference in energy and how we're consuming it now. But, you know, what have you found about these people in this situation in which they find themselves? And, you know, how, how does that play into the mission of, of BitSource? Yeah, so the, the mission of BitSource is to provide uh, high-tech jobs in eastern Kentucky. So they're mm-hmm. kind of growing that. We had uh, we started out with 10, and then uh, the, I think there were nine that actually made it through the, the uh, first 16, or 22 weeks, the first 22 weeks. And mm-hmm. so after the 22nd week, they started to take clients in. Well, because of the downturn in the coal economy, the fact that we do have good hard workers and they are capable – yeah. It was only a part of the equation. We also had we're doing economic development at the same time, and so who are you going to work for? Because hundreds of uh, uh, coal companies now are gone, mm-hmm. and people are leaving at a record rate now. So um, it wasn't as easy as hey, if you guys learn to code, it's going to be awesome. Uh, it was just a part of the equation. Um, we had to do a lot of different things. So you're talking about people leaving in record rates. Are some of these students that you guys are retraining, are they mostly finding jobs in Kentucky or are they having to go elsewhere to find these um, tech jobs? Yeah, so so the idea was we wanted to hire them from day one. Okay. So they were hired on day one and treated as apprentices. Gotcha. And what I had put together was uh, the curriculum and the apprenticeship program in, in essence. And um, and they just followed through with it. I mean, they, you know, you have to make a decision to want to do that, to want to change and and uh, they buckled down and made the change. And, you know, now they're 150-some projects under their belt, repeat customers. I mean, they're doing they're doing well. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we just watched that uh, Google video yeah. before we started this. And Heaven and I were watching it, kind of getting emotional. Just like, you know, it's it's uh, our home state, eastern Kentucky, and watching, watching the hardships that those miners have gone through and them coming out on the other side and being retrained and introduced to this new awesome technology. It was, it was really cool. Um, so transitioning from that, so... You've learned a lot about teaching people to code, and how to how do you get into Awesome EQ? How does that how does that start for you? Yeah, so I'd known uh, Nick a long time. As a matter of fact, Nick uh, Such, who's the director um, at Awesome Inc., um, he actually met Lynn and Rusty before I did, and gave them the idea. Hey, you know, coding is just really uh, you know a skill that can be learned and and can be um, can be done like a trade. And so uh, it's all Nick's fault. <laughs> but um, I've known him for a while, and we we kind of were talking the whole time, you know, while BitSource was growing and while he was putting together the boot camp. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, what worked, what didn't work, we had discussions like that several times. And, and, um, and then uh, I reached out to him. He reached out to me. I think that's how it kind of happened. Um, and he said, hey, I got an opening here. I want to see what's going on. And I was thinking about making a move uh, back to Lexington because I was really spending a lot of time and burning a lot of gas and road time. Oh, yeah. That and, two and a uh, half hours will get you. Yeah. And, and really, you know, the, the, the BitSource team, they um, at that point, they were sort of self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hide out, kicked my coverage. They were doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so... Um, <clears throat> And so I was like, yeah, I've, I've, I love Awesome Inc., what they stand for, the values. Um, if I were to do something, that's exactly what I would want to be a part of. And so, uh, yeah, I started in the spring in the boot camp as a lead instructor. That's awesome. So what's that experience been like uh, teaching people here rather than teaching coal miners? Well, it's interesting. It's different. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're teaching coal miners, they're back 
is literally up against the wall. Right. Yeah. They don't How have do I choice. make money to provide yeah. for my family? Right. Um, you know, which is a little different. I'm uh, not saying it's not completely different because we've had some people in the boot camp that are like, you know, I got to make a change mm-hmm. uh, or else, you know, something's going to give. Right. And so um, a lot of people are like that. When they come in the boot camp, they're like, you know, I want to make a change. I want to do better for my family, better for myself. And so the drive is the same, but, you know, desperation is a little bit more on the side of coal miners. It was either, right. uh, you know, learn this or, or don't eat in some ways. And Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's multiple programs with Austin Q, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Right, so would you mind walking us through a couple of what those are? So, yeah, we've got the boot camp, which has grown now. I think uh, we've got over 50, 51 alumni. Wow. Uh, yeah. Over the last four or five years. That's awesome. And yeah, it's, it's growing too. We've got another full class coming up here in the fall. Uh, we just finished the spring, so we do two a year. Um, we're hoping to expand that to a year now, uh, but we hope to expand that. And Nick and I have been talking about how do we how do we grow this a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, and offer other things. But uh, we've got our boot camp. Uh, we have our intro to web development, which is uh, three times a year. And it's a little bit, it's not so intense. You know, the boot camp is... Uh, 12 weeks of you're here all the time. And uh, and so um, the intro to web is two times a week and for about nine weeks, uh, two nights out of the week for nine weeks. And then we also have the week of code for kids. We finished up, I think, this summer, um, and I think we probably had over 60, maybe 65 kids somewhere right. around there. And that, that's pretty new, right? That's just like a summer camp kind of program? You guys summer see? camp, yeah. Uh, we we recently revamped it a little bit. We're we're including apps and uh, web and games. Uh, so How cool is that to it, learn as a kid? Oh, it's awesome to see yeah. to watch them get the aha moment. Yeah, is you know never gets old um, when you see somebody struggling and trying to work through something and their persistence and their desire to want to you know to make something really cool or awesome. Uh, then they get that aha moment. It's really fun to watch. I think it's super important for kids to be learning how these video games that are getting so huge, how they work and how they're being coded and everything. I think it's so cool. I would have loved to have known how to do something like that when I was these kids' age. I mean, it's oh, just yeah. it's like a completely different language and opens up so many doors and opportunities for these kids that you know a lot of uh, my friends and I didn't have when we were that age. Yeah, yeah, that's really neat. And coding is kind of becoming the new literacy. In right. Way. So, right, yeah. you know, it, whether or not everybody's a coder is a whole other question. But becoming aware of how the soup is made mm-hmm. and knowing it and knowing how to leverage it and how to monetize it is is really important. Right. I right. can I can kind of speak on that a little bit with just like, you know, my job now. I work at an influencer marketing company and you know, all of, you know, half of the marketplace that we have is creators, our, our influencers who are making their living off their social media. Well, to be part of our system and to interact with the brands, the people who are paying them, they need to understand how to link their Instagram to their Facebook, how to go into the back end of Facebook and, and share certain settings with us. And, and none of that is hardcore code, but it's a, it requires a fundamental understanding of, you know, how an API works or how, you know, kind of a hierarchy of settings and of accounts work. Very basic kind of technological graph understanding. And you'd be you'd be shocked at, at how many people don't have that knowledge. And I think, you know, whether you're an Instagram influencer or, you know, a hundred other jobs in the next ten years or even five years, you're gonna need to have kind of that that base literacy of 
technical setup. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously learning to code is, is the best way to do that, but there needs to be other programs in which people can understand the back end of different systems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll uh, go on top of that and kind of say, you know, the future of work, right? What does mm -hmm. that look like? If we have all kinds of different disruptors in different industries, whether it's blue collar or white collar, what does that look like? It's going to affect everybody. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just um, knowing um, how this is, how, how the tech industry kind of works and uh, it, it's all over the place. There's so many segments. And uh, so, yeah, there's like a, there's got to be a baseline somewhere. Uh, I don't yeah. think we've yet to kind of find that, but it seems like it's established with understanding data, how to mine data, how to do integrations with uh, engines that already exist. Yep. And then, and then kind of how do you get value out of um, uh, cre creativity and content? Right. So how many students have gone through the camp all time? So let's see. I think it's over fifteen hundred. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, it's a and and that's that's impressive. Um, yeah, I think we just had a meeting here. Like, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Maybe we talked about numbers and and uh, yeah, fifteen over fifteen hundred, probably around sixteen hundred to be exact. So yeah, yeah. And so is that I, all in Lexington, or is that throughout the state? You know, what's the geo on that? That's probably the majority. I'd say ninety-eight percent is Lexington, um, mm -hmm. because we also have after-school coding clubs. Yeah. Um, in the fall and the spring, and those are uh, on location, so here at Awesome Inc., and then also uh, through in area schools. So we have uh, uh, different opportunities, but mostly in the Lexington area within our circle of uh, of influence. That's that's, awesome. that's an amazing number of talent <laughs> that you guys have pushed through there. Yeah, that's uh, that's good news for tech coming to this area, having so many people uh, getting introduced to that, and then hopefully becoming passionate about it, and making it their career. Absolutely. Yeah. So okay, um, back to the boot camp. So could you walk through some of the differences between doing the twelve week intensive boot camp versus going to like UK and getting a yeah. computer science degree? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I can't really speak on you know going to UK and getting a science degree because I got an art degree <laughs> right. uh, from a from UPI, but. Um, <laughs> I can tell you, you know, what we do and what we want to do, uh, and that's uh, awesome values. Mm -hmm. uh, we we want to do high tech and high touch in a way, uh, where where when people come here for twelve weeks, we we really do care about them as an individual, uh, not just a number. We want to see them uh, grow, and so my job as a lead instructor is to provide an environment where they can fail. Because that's what this is all about. Coding is, is you're never going to get it right the first time. It's an iterative process. Mm -hmm. And so we teach fail, fail fast, fail often, and fail forward. And so if they don't have an environment for that, you're not going to get that. Uh, school's a little bit different. you got to make A's. Yeah. You know, I want you to fail. When you come in, I want you to break it. And so people are like, I, you know, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. I'm like, I know. It's a process. Evan's not on the mic right now, but I know he's itching to say something about the way school is structured. <laughs> I'll, I'll say something for him there because I was thinking the same thing, Logan. How, you know, Justin, how do you think you reconcile that in a, in a traditional school setting, you know, when you, you have to get A's and you have to succeed, you know, when maybe modern work, like we were talking about, requires failing first? You know, how can that be reconciled on a system level? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we're coming to some, uh, you know, some head at some point 
where uh, the proof is in the pudding, okay? Can you show that you can do this? And that's really more important than can you ace a test of 30 questions because I guarantee I can Google all 30 of those questions. I guarantee you I have. That's what I did through college. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like if you can Google everything and, mm -hmm. and your answers are just one you know search away, yeah. which is great to have. Don't get me wrong. I, believe me, I, I grew up with a phone book and trying to find my friend's number so I could get the cheat code for the Nintendo game. So, <laughs> you know, it's like it's when you when you've lived in uh, a desert and you see a drop of water you see how important it is but when you live in you know a um uh where water is plentiful and easy to get you don't really see it yeah. so now we got a different problem you got all this information that's available right so what does learning look like is it memorization is it um you know uh is it is it, or is it really computational thinking and understanding and mm -hmm growing uh, your digital literacy and how things work and, right. and having a, a competence in in the tools that you're working with. Yeah. So, yeah, it's almost like a throwback to the uh, the apprenticeship model when you had woodworkers and and uh, carpenters and mm -hmm. they would always have apprentices and and it was they they didn't take tests. Right. They yeah. had to build the thing and then build the next thing and then yeah. upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and uh until they became Carpenters that's so, a really interesting yeah. comparison i like that a lot yeah. yeah so um if somebody is listening to this episode right now and they're thinking this is just the coolest thing ever how can they learn more cool yeah um awesomeinc.org uh, is, is is uh our primary website where you can go to and find the information um <clears throat> i think it's click if you click on learn to code we just did an upgrade okay uh, cool. so, so it's got a facelift yeah it's go got a little it bit out. of facelift and um, so yeah, learn to code, but it will tell you a lot of information. And then, you know, it really, um, send us an email, call us. I mean, you know, old school way of face to face, come by and see us. is yeah. not bad either. I tell you, yeah, Justin's easy to talk to. Come, come talk to him about it. <laughs> All right. So transitioning on to just Lexington and Kentucky in general, um, how has Lexington and the community around here helped you grow Awesome EQ and even BitSource in a way? Yeah, I think it's a sort of a, um, what is it reciprocal you know mm -hmm. uh as as much as awesome Inc. can put out in workers and and smart developers you know then that just grows the uh amount of uh potential for businesses to be located here for entrepreneurs to want to say hey i want to take advantage of that workforce like a uh make make time which is now zometry right right but, yeah yeah um, so, you know, I think that's how the boot camp kind of got started was they said, Hey, we need more people. And so, uh, you know, it, it's sort of like the more startups and entrepreneurs that can, um, um, get going and get started here in this area and grow tech, especially tech focus, then, you know, the better off awesome Inc. is going to be. Right. Um, and then I, I think it's, I think it's back and forth. Yeah, you, you know, you get a benefit from both sides. Awesome. So that that kind of answered my next question was like, how has demand for tech jobs shifted over time? It's it's like you said, it's kind of a almost a self fulfilling prophecy. The more you train for it, the more tech jobs come in here, and then the more that's needed, it just kind of goes around and around like a flywheel almost. Yeah, and and you know, uh, also to speak to that, like, um, we're we're now facing a little bit of a different challenge in that we're not engine builders, programmers, developers are 
are not developing engines from scratch anymore. It's more mm. like integrations or it's more like data mining. Mm -hmm. Or we're going into uncharted territory like uh, VR or AR or even machine learning and, and right. uh, yeah, artificial intelligence. So those things, you know, uh, are where the engine builders are kind of going. Um, and But they still need integrations work. You know, there's so many companies that come in, they say, yeah, I want this software, but it doesn't really meet my needs. So I need something custom. So they turn to an Apex, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to develop custom software. Gotcha. So you brought up AI, and that's yeah. just something that super interests me right now. I'm also a little bit scared of it. What are your thoughts on artificial intelligence? Yeah, okay, so uh, I got a joke, and that's, um, I think, um, um, in the future, we're basically going to be telling stories and fixing robots, and that's about it. So <laughs> That's kind of a scary future, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it well, I mean, it is, and it is. If you think about it, if you... If, um, you know, if, if, if you're smart on those kind of things and you can learn how uh, robots are built and how AI works, um, then you've got a future. But definitely it's going to put some people out of work. Uh, but I also think it'll create new jobs and new avenues. And, and you know, we're not uh, going to be um, static. We're going right. to continue to grow. Right. We're going to continue to want to express. We're going to continue to want to create new content in different avenues. So... Uh, you know, I, I think it'll just change. I don't think it'll be like, oh, this went away. Yeah. 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 How close do you think we are to having a self-aware artificial intelligence? I, I think that is a little bit of a pot dream in a way. Yeah. I, I think I think we're going to have, because AI is very good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's mm -hmm. some really cool stuff that you, that's out there. Uh, and I can explain a tad bit of it, uh, but um, it's sort of like a magic box. Yeah. And, and so, but the thing is, is it's contextual driven. So like if you go watch on Netflix, there's a documentary called uh, AlphaGo. And uh, if you watch that, you know, it's pretty interesting. They train a, a, pro, a robot basically how to play the game Go. And it's incredible. Um, so can that be applied and associated with another type of, uh, you know, game or whatever? Yeah. Um, but still, it's contextual. You're not going to get a full spectrum. And so I don't think there's that true AI that's just going to be a sentient, you know, kind of being and yeah. understand it's a, it's AI. I think it's going to be one of those things like, you know, maybe in 50 years or something it might happen. But I don't, I don't know. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So moving back to kind of the Lexington community, who deserves a shout out around here? Out here in yeah. the Lexington community? Shout yeah. out. Oh man, there's so many. Um, well, I guess more around Austin EQ and that, yeah. this sort of what we've been talking about. So what I'm really interested in, like the fellowship, mm -hmm. I love seeing yeah, the fellowship awesome. grow. Um, and there's companies that are coming in. I think Keith uh, McMunn's doing a wonderful job, you know, with Five Across, with uh, all the different events that are coming in. I think the Tech Association of the Bluegrass is doing a wonderful job promoting and, and kind of saying, hey, there's a there's an ecosystem here now. Let's let's get these community relations going, and uh, and I really think that the upcoming tech conference, uh, Tech X for uh, in September, I think it is, mm -hmm. is going to be great for the area. I'm really excited about that. Cool. So you're involved with uh, planning the Tech X and getting that getting that moving. Uh, yeah, uh, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not so much planning. Uh, they know better than to give me that. <laughs> but um, uh, at least, you know, being able to contribute and be and help out. Cool. And, uh, you know, because I'm just a, a techie and a nerd and, and in this area, I want to see this stuff grow. 
and anybody that's in this area uh, that's doing, you know, whether it's uh, marketing or whatever, anything that they're touching has tech involved in it somehow, sure. and yeah. and they should be a part of. It's hard to avoid tech these days. It, it really almost is. impossible, I'd say. <laughs> All right. So, what needs to improve about this this city and this region? I, you know, I'm not one to like throw a bunch of critical barbs. I like to do feedback kind of thing. Okay, feedback. Yeah. So, if someone were to ask me, mm-hmm. you know, what would be good feedback? I would love to see uh, more of the bigger players in the game kind of come here and set up shop, like a Google. Um, I'd love to see, uh, you know, there be the equivalent of something grow here from scratch, like a Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, something big that has an impact. Um, and, um, you know, I think uh, what we're doing in government and community, I think, is working. Uh, we're doing things, you know, that support entrepreneurship. I think we got to continue to do that. Um, and I think we got to continue to breathe life into our youth about, you know, all the possibilities that are out there uh, with tech and especially learning to code. And then I think, you know, as we foster these businesses that want to come into the fellowship, that we kind of grow them and, and say, hey, you know, whatever you need, we're here to serve.